Our second reading is taken from the Gospel according to John, chapter 1, verses 29 to 42. It is that same scripture that Mark just told us about. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After he comes, a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the chosen one. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Now, God, may the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and redeemer. Amen. What are you looking for? As a kid, I loved flipping through the Encyclopedia Britannica that my aunt had, looking at the different pictures and reading about things I'd never heard of. Does anybody still have encyclopedias in their homes? Yes, one person. Okay, we got a couple. Early service, they didn't know what I was talking about. (laughs) Those were the days before the internet dominated our lives. Those days are long gone. And I'm not sure that encyclopedias are even printed anymore. In this age of technology, when we're curious or eager to find information, where do we turn? Google! We turn to our phones. For some of us, it's as simple as saying, Hey Siri, and our digital assistant pipes up from our iPhones, eager to assist. We ask our question, or we send a text to someone who knows the answer. Or maybe you ask Alexa from your Amazon Echo device. Grayson, my three-year-old toddler, has recently learned how to ask Alexa how to tell jokes or sing songs for movies such as Frozen. So anybody can do it, right? 
We can call, we can text, email, browse, and search with speed. But we have to know what it is that we're looking for. We need a sense of direction, or we're just diving helplessly into piles of information, unsure of what it is that we need. Our need for that information, our curiosity and eagerness to seek, to know, is an innate part of being human, right? What are you looking for? These are Jesus' first words in the Gospel of John. They are telling. He doesn't make a statement about himself, but he turns his attention to those in front of him. But let me back up for a minute. So we know that the 12 days of Christmas are done. The star has led the wise men to the Christ child. They've delivered their gifts on Epiphany, and they have set off home. Now we're in the season after Epiphany. And so we've packed away our decorations, and our new toys are strewn all across the house. And suddenly, Jesus is grown in the blink of an eye. We have fast-forwarded to the banks of the Jordan River, and to John the Baptist. Now in John's gospel, there is no birth narrative, no parents or shepherds, angels or wise men. Instead, it begins with those beautiful but mysterious words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And so we see John the Baptist appearing in this great prologue, paving the way for the light. And he knows immediately who it is he's looking for. He knows his calling and is single-mindedly focused on making sure that he announces that God's Messiah, the Chosen One, the Son of Man, is coming. And are you ready? Here he might be more aptly named John the Testifier or John the Witness. Unlike the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we get little on John the Baptist except that he's making a name for himself and causing trouble. He is loud and aggressive, his message unwavering, intimidating the Pharisees and leaders of the temple. They fear his authority and words. And so they don't go themselves, but they send their messengers to interrogate him, asking about his identity. If you're not the Messiah, are you Elijah? Or are you a prophet? Who who are you? But he's not quick to be defined. Instead, he tells them, I'm not any of those guys. I'm just the guy preparing you for the one that God has called. I baptize with water, but he baptizes with the power of God. 
You see, people are flocking to him, hungry for his word, joining him and his disciples at the river's edge, baptisms of countless people occurring throughout the river. What are they looking for? The Messiah, deliverance, liberation. John doesn't mince his words. He tells them clearly again and again, I've only come to prepare the way for the Lord. He is clear in his identity and calling and knows, he knows that his job will end when Christ arrives, but it doesn't slow him down one bit. As soon as Jesus does arrive on the scene, John declares, I knew he'd be here. There he is. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world has finally come. I don't know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. Well, here he is, Israel. The Messiah has come. Open your eyes. We are again offered an invitation by John. Come and see. God is here with us now. God is manifest in flesh and blood. Come witness and be a part of God's story. But Jesus still has not said a word. And so John, in his excitement, continues to testify, to point to the one God is sending. God sent a dove. I saw it with my own eyes, God's own spirit. It landed on Jesus, and it remained there. It did not move. And I knew, I knew the spirit was in him. For God had told me that he would come baptizing with the Holy Spirit. Again, radio silence from Jesus. He has made his entrance, but it's not until John proclaims him once again, here is the Lamb of God, that Jesus is moved to speak only after two of John's disciples follow him. And what did he say? What are you looking for? It's kind of a strange thing to say. He doesn't affirm what John has said. He doesn't claim any power or titles. One commentator writes, English translations obscure the meaning of the Greek, which is better translated, what are you seeking? Jesus' ministry begins not with a mighty command to silence a demon, as in Mark, nor with a sermon to the crowds who have gathered on a mountain, as in Matthew. And not with a quotation from Isaiah to proclaim his anointing for the year of God's favor, as in Luke. But in John, it begins with this question. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? What do you need? It's a question worth wrestling with. Theologian John Clifford offers, maybe these disciples were looking for an adventure for new experiences, to see the world beyond the sleepy little village where they had spent all their lives. Maybe they were looking to make a difference, to be a part of a movement to resist the Roman occupation and the corrupt leadership of Judea. Maybe they were looking for meaning and purpose in their otherwise aimless lives. Perhaps they were looking to find themselves And so they join the cult of John the Baptist with visions of utopia dancing in their heads. While scripture does not reveal what they were looking for, is it possible they were looking for the same sort of things 
21st century churchgoers seek. Does this sound familiar to you? Searching, seeking to discover who we are, why we are here, is not foreign for us, nor to those who first sought Christ. We long for an identity that we can claim. Clifford continues saying that people long for an identity, for purpose, for meaning, for healing. They, we, are looking for redemption, for love, and for life. The world is ready and willing to offer solutions to the search. Though we, knew too, we know too well those solutions that the world offers. We know too well the billboards and commercials, the internet ads, all those things proclaiming that we can live longer, that we can be healthier if only we buy this or that. And so we have to be careful. Too often we are seduced by the things in this world that we think will fill that void we have. Yes, we are seekers by nature, and it is tempting to give into a world that offers quick answers and easy fixes. But Jesus answered, Jesus asked first, what is it that you need? The two men before Jesus are quick to answer his question with their own. Well, Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? In naming him teacher, they indicate their desire to sit at his feet and listen, to learn. Somehow they know that they have come upon someone they cannot pass by. John has told them over and over he is coming, and so when he is there, there they go. But they don't offer an answer to Jesus' question. Like Mark was telling us, maybe they simply didn't know what they were looking for, or maybe they realized they found someone who might just have the question and the answer as well. And so they follow him. They take their place as his students, and they simply remain there, desiring to be in relationship with him. We don't know what that conversation was. Jesus simply said, come and see. Come and see. What is it that we need to put down? What is blocking our path to that invitation to come and see alongside Christ? To come and see what Christ has done in the past, what Christ is continuing to do, what Christ is calling First Presbyterian Church to do. Many of us will go our whole lives wondering what our purpose is, questioning our identity, asking God for clarity doesn't get easier. Being human, being human is hard. Trying to make sense of this world is hard. Even if we discover our purpose or purposes, it might mean doing incredibly difficult things, even sacrificing ourselves to be faithful for God's purpose for us. John the Baptist fulfills his testimony and shortly thereafter, he is killed by Herod. But he prepared the way for Christ. Tomorrow, we remember a man whose own testimony sought equality and life abundant for black people, and it got him killed. But we recognize that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., as one who fulfilled God's word 
and invited us to join him in welcoming all God's people as children of God. Come and see, Jesus says. Come and see what we can do together. What are you looking for? What is your deepest desire? Jesus is asking, and Jesus is listening. Jesus is inviting us to come and see what God has in store. Amen. Let us now come before God in prayer. God of covenant and promise, you call us to the water, the water that refreshes and renews. For it's through the water that you called Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. When they were thirsty, it was you that made the water to gush from the stones in the wilderness. It was you, in you, that the water was turned to wine. And it's in you that we receive the living water. As we remember Christ's baptism in the waters of the Jordan, we remember also the waters of our own baptism. You call us to the water once again the water that refreshes and renews. God of compassion, we pray for those whose spirits are crushed by the weight of this world. When they cry in anguish that there can be no God, draw near to them and deliver them from the abyss of despair. Help us to remember those affected by the severe weather around the world, especially the flooding and mudslides in California the destruction and the loss of life in the tornadoes in Alabama, and yet another school shooting in Virginia. Put on our hearts the violence that continues day after day around the world, but especially here in this place. Help us to be a source of encouragement and support so that in this world we might once again help to trust in your promises. Let us hear in the cries of your people, our own calls to action. O God of love, open to us, open to us those who are here in our midst. There is much pain and fear and despair amongst our brothers and sisters, even here in the pews beside us. Some are struggling with issues at work. Some find nothing but conflict at home. Some are preparing to leave home once again to begin a new semester or a new job. Remind us that we are all called to be for each other companions on this road less traveled. Give us the strength to reach out where there is need. Lord, especially this week, keep on our hearts Mary and Ian and Jennifer. Be with Greg's aunt Susan Gromley and her daughter, her daughter uh, Renee. Lord, hear the names that we've lifted to you out loud this morning, but hear also those that we say now in the silence of our hearts. O God, where there is pain, we pray for your comfort. Where there is sorrow, we ask for your healing. Where there is fear, we hope that you would bring confidence. Where there's loneliness, bring your companionship. We pray these things in confidence, knowing that you are here in this place and that you hear our cries. So we say these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray together, our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God not only creates life, but gives new abundant life. Born of repentance, forgiveness, and resurrection, therefore with gracious hearts, let us give back a portion of what has already been given to us. As people living out our baptismal covenant in God and with each other, let us bring who we are and what we have, offering our time, our talents, our lives, and our offerings. 